Hello, Margaret. Welcome to Awareness in Motion podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Hi, Angela. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a special guest photobombing in the background. I know people watching the podcast won't be able to see her, but do you want to share with (laughs) us behind you? Yes, (laughs) well, um, behind me is a a painting of me that was done by my mother when I was, well, it's a few years ago now, (laughs) Um, and um, it's actually relevant for a couple of reasons. That's why I'm wearing the same kind of colours today. It's me, yes. Um, And the reason... um, uh, that it's relevant is because it is of the age, I was then of the age when I just completed my Feldenkrais training or maybe I was in the middle of my Feldenkrais training. But anyway, I was. it was at that era. And um, there's also some identifiable um, uh, how do I describe it? postural issues I guess I could say (laughs) that relate to how I came upon this journey so I could talk about that whole thing now or wait till you get onto that journey (laughs) okay before that's while you were doing your training um before you came across the Feldenkrais method uh what was going on for you what made you decide to want to get, begin a, a, the journey to understand this work more? Yeah, so I was in my early 20s and um, I had been um, handpicked for an amazing job, which was a national position in a um, commu- non-government organisation and I was doing research and policy um, <clears throat> and uh, it, I'm just going to sort of reveal a little bit about my age. We didn't have these things called computers then. <laughs> so I was handwriting um, and I had somebody who was my secretary who did the typing for me. Mm. And I was very, very committed to my work. I travelled around. I organised lots of events. I did lots of consultation. I wrote lots of policy, et cetera, et cetera. I did lots of lobbying to the government and so on. Um, and I started getting uh, terrible pain and uh, eventually it became so severe that I could not work. Wow. And uh, it was uh, revealed that I had a, what was then a, a common phenomenon called repetitive strain injury. It's now referred to as occupational overuse syndrome. Because it's not only repetition that uh, uh, makes this injury occur. But basically I was in such pain that um, it came to the point where I was told I would never work again by the doctors. In those days they didn't provide the kind of medication that they do these days. I wasn't given anything, which I'm kind of relieved about in some respects. I was so severely disabled that I couldn't do things like pick up a cup 
and drink mm. some water. Wow, that, that would just feel, wouldn't it feel like, would you feel like your life was over? Like what the, what yes. am I going to do? Because you're only yes. quite young, yeah? Yes, yes, exactly. So um, I couldn't do my gardening while I was at home because I had to stay at home. I had to have um, full-time, well, not full-time, but I had carers. Uh, I could only drink or eat from a straw. So I could wow. only eat mushy food unless somebody fed me or I bent down with my mouth to eat it. Wow. From the plate. So um, I couldn't drive. I couldn't catch public transport because the jolting made the pain worse and it just went on and on and on. So um, obviously I was devastated. And um, there were a couple of things that I was able to do um, occasionally. So, I mean, I was in my early 20s and it was the party time. So my friends were going partying and I wanted to go dancing with them. So what I did was I went dancing but I wore um, compression gloves on my arms. People just thought I was wearing gloves and looking fancy, dressed up. But um, the, the, that was just to remind me not to move my arms. So I would dance but not move my arms too much. And then I took up tap dancing because you just use your legs. <laughs> well, you can do wild things, but I didn't. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I ended up, um, a, a job was created for me with my disability um in the similar field to which I was working in the community sector um however I could not do the job it was just impossible for me even just sitting at a desk and interviewing people and not writing was impossible I had to keep lying down because I was in such pain so my decision was to um change my life entirely I moved to from Melbourne to Sydney and my friend here said you've got to try Feldenkrais by the way I had tried many many things prior to that Mm. um so I did and I just thought it was like whatever like somebody was telling me to move my pelvis when my arms were so painful and I could not understand that So then my friend said to me. That can be confusing, can't it, when you first go to a Feldenkrais practitioner and, like you said, your arms were the sore place. Why aren't you touching my arms? (laughs) Why aren't you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the first first session wasn't even touch. It was just guided movement. Um, But um, anyway, my friend persuaded me to to go and do the training and I had nothing else to do really, so I did it. And it was, you know, it was okay. I couldn't do most of the things that most of the people in the training could do. I was um, very, very limited in terms of movement, etc. However, my very first hands-on session was transformative. So for the first time in many years after the session, I had no pain. Wow. I didn't even remember what it was like to have no pain. How and, did that feel uh, for you? How did that, how did that feel? How long did it last? 
too. Okay, it felt amazing. I left the training and just sat in the park just to sit with myself and be this new person with no pain. Um, um, and it didn't last long at all. It lasted maybe a couple of hours and I could feel the transition between pain and no pain. It was like um, it was like watching a drama movie good guy, bad guy, but they were the same people and they kept fighting, trying to be the one that dominated. So I had no pain and the pain would come back and it just kept transitioning in this way. It was very strange, but it was enough to persuade me that something could shift that I hadn't been able to shift in so many years. Mm. How many years had you been struggling with that challenge up until that point? Um... Maybe four or five at that point. Wow. Significant amount of time then. Oh, yeah. And then and then um, by the time I did the training and completed the training, I was still in pain but not to the extent that I had been. I was then more capable. Um, <clears throat> but um, the pain was almost zero, let's just say. I finished the training. I got a, a job again in my previous occupational field, uh, working in policy and research. And by this time, we had these things called computers. Oh, <laughs> and uh, nobody really understood this idea of what we now call ergonomics. And within a very short time, my pain returned uh, and I obviously was devastated. Um, I tried to quit my job, but they said, no, why don't you just go part-time? And they sent me to a practitioner, a physiotherapist who is a Feldenkrais practitioner. Oh, Completely coincidentally. Oh. And I was Things like that happen in the world. What's that? It's lucky those things are they they do happen for a reason. Amazing. And I remember to this day some of the strategies that she taught me. Anyway, so then I started teaching. I was only working part time. So then I thought, you know what? I'll start working out how on earth we sit at a computer and how that's going to work effectively for us so that I don't end up in pain. And I started teaching sitting in the office classes. Pioneering ergonomics. Pioneering the ergonomics. Yes, yes, yes. But but having said that, what's really interesting is that um, uh, I started uh, ergonomics during my work because I needed to do that as part of my work. Um, to be capable to, to continue. And I contacted um, by telephone then uh, multiple ergonomists around Australia, experts in the field. And the issue was around um, how to set it up for your computer. And do you know what? None of them had the same strategies. Wow. None of them had the same strategies. They had completely different 
ideas on how we should set ourselves up to sit at a workplace with a computer. Mm. So I started exploring it myself and there's on it goes, on it goes. Wow. I ended, up work, I ended up working for quite a few large firms, giving them advice, including my own workplace, giving them advice yeah. on how to set up ergonomically. Um, and um, uh, not only what to do with the furniture, because ergonomics often means when we think of it, we think how should the furniture be set up. However, what we also need to consider when we look at our ergonomic situation, no matter what we're doing, in this case it was a workplace with a workstation and a computer, um, is what we now I call now personal ergonomics. So how am I arranging myself? Because ergonomics actually means how we can adapt the furniture to suit that person. Mm. But often that person is not considered when we examine the ergonomics of a situation. So I also have done some skill sharing with some ergonomists now (laughs) to change change their views on how how we do things. So um, just going back, if I may, to the picture behind me, what you may see in the picture is that, um, and do you know I only noticed this when I was preparing for this talk, what I noticed in this picture, this is me when I was in the middle of my training or nearing the end of my training, um, I'm sitting there and just sitting casually posing for a painting to be done, but what I noticed is how far forward my neck is. Not that there's anything wrong with that per se. However, if you look at photos of me when I was in my first job where I uh, got my injury, the same thing is there. Mm. Um, And I can look through history of myself in photographs and I think it was the partly sitting at a desk that was inappropriate for a little person like me but also the kind of anxiety of getting everything done quickly. So that's kind of represented in my personal characteristics, in my positioning, in my gait, etc. Very interesting. Yeah, so on reflection, what's that? Sorry, very interesting. Yeah, we can dive more into that. Keep going. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, um, on reflection, um, um, I can recognise uh, how I developed the injury partly mm. um, and it's some of the characteristics that I represent in this painting. I love this painting, don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, what's represented in this painting is is that um, I don't really like to use the word posture too much because people tend to... Um, think, oh, this is my posture, I've got bad posture, she's looking at me, I've got to correct myself. That's really not how we consider it in Feldenkrais. In Mm -hmm. Feldenkrais we think that that person there behind me a few years ago um, 
was behaving in a very intelligent way for the situation that she was in. We respond in, in, with our intelligence and adapt to our circumstances. Mm. Mm. However, sometimes those adaptations become habitual patterns which may not suit our circumstances anymore. Yeah. I'm glad so you brought that up. Yeah, used the term actor. Yes, yes. I was going to ask um, you to share that. <laughs> <laughs> so he used the term actor in order to describe um he 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 said oh Feldenkrais is for posts <laughs> so um the term actor means that we're, we're in a kind of neutral place and then when we need to act want to act in a certain way we are ready to go in any direction mm. and if we're stuck in the place then we can't necessarily get there in the most efficient way. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that point up. So often when I meet someone and I say I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner or a movement specialist, you straight away, that don't they stand up taller? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my posture, like you just said. Yes. <laughs> really, it's not about that at all. But in just in passing, it's hard to, to dive into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So when it comes to working with your clients, uh, are you still doing the same work now that you've been um, going into businesses or does it look a little bit different? Oh, um, no, I have that um, uh, available um, in terms of um, uh presenting to uh, businesses uh, and government departments and so on um, about uh, different ways of sitting and different ways of setting up your workplace environment. You may notice that there are trends in businesses. So one trend for a while was sitting on those large balls. Um, one trend was sitting on those seats where you're kneeling on the seat. Um, now the, the trend is standing desks. They're I was, was going to ask you about standing desks and your uh, my take on that. My, and they're all very interesting and they're all very adaptable. What I think is that um, it will depend on the circumstances, it will depend on the person. Um, I personally think sit-stand desks are pretty good compared to the sitting balls because what happened with the sitting balls, the theory was I must sit here because this is what I've been advised to do and I'm going to, it means I can move around. However, what people did was they gripped it so they could focus and they'd end up yeah. folding and gripping. So almost like a fear response. <laughs> I'm going to lose my balance. I don't need to work. So yeah. stuff like that can happen. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually have a six-stand desk. I'm sitting mm -hmm. at it right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I actually love uh, standing while I'm working most of the time, but mm -hmm. I also have a, a tall stool that I sit on sometimes if I don't yes. want to put it down. Um, yes. I also sit on the floor a lot um, at a lower table, so change it up, I say. 
<laughs> yes, I do that too. So I've got, um, I'm at home right now, so I've got a, 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 a set of different ways that I can organise myself. Um, my standing desk is my ironing table. Yeah. <laughs> with a box on top to place my computer. <laughs> and I have different stools for different situations. I remember a time when I was sitting on a, a low stool um, and sitting at a coffee table with my computer there and and somebody ca- somebody came in and said, that's not ergonomic. And I said, actually, it is. This is actually a very efficient way for me to move. The primary situation here is that my shoulders can be at rest. I can easily visualise what I'm seeing on the screen, access my keyboard, and in this position, which is like a squatting position, I can organise my spine into the longest position that it can find, which is why squatting is so great for us. So people have very different ideas of what ergonomic is. So back to the question of um, going to workplaces. Um, Yeah, so some workplaces have made adaptations where they have various arrangements. I've worked with them too. At one stage I uh, assisted somebody who's uh, uh, at a university and teaches design. We worked on an interactive designed workplace where there were a range of different places where people could work and there were interactive modalities that they could work with. Mm, That sounds sounds like the perfect mix, I think, rather than just one way, this is the way you're doing it now, but to have a choice because... As we know, everybody is different. Yes, and if I even if I have a really great setup, like let's say a standing desk, but I've got eight hours of work to do, I don't want to do that for eight hours standing. I want to sit down sometimes. Mm. I want to go for a walk sometimes. I want to squat sometimes so that I'm still mobile and productive in a workplace. We're talking about workplaces. Mm, mm. Yeah, I often, uh, when I've got a full day of work, I make sure I just set the timer for either 25 or 40 minutes, somewhere there, mm. and then I take myself for a walk around the block. It's been fabulous. Yeah. Except at the moment, it's been raining too much to do that, but mm. <laughs> have a little break. <laughs> mm. that way, that's why I have the standing desk so I can be standing and then easily yeah. walk off. Yeah. So just so you know, so my speciality area, I get a lot of um, people who have uh, workplace injuries such as occupational overuse syndrome. Um, and um, But I have a couple of other speciality areas, which it's just changing the subject a little bit. Do you want yeah. me to yeah. that? Let's dive into it. Yeah, so um, I have worked for many years in tertiary institutions with performance artists, so actors, musicians and dancers primarily. Mm. And then external to the tertiary institutions with athletes. Wow. Yeah, so that's just 
super fun. <laughs> that they're great. They're a great community to work with. Well, it's amazing. But what's really interesting is that the musicians, for example, um, the course that I teach the musicians is actually about how they can ergonomically, including their instruments, which is not a computer, how they can ergonomically set themselves up so they don't get injuries. So I walk into a room with a whole lot of students who are studying music, all varieties, including singing, uh, production, piano, cello, whatever, and I say, hands up who's got an injury. So many of them, and they're quite young, have injuries. It's quite distressing. So we go through all of the different kind of processes that they can learn so that they don't get an injury. So, for example, a violinist has one arm, one arm using the bow and the head is on a tilt, wow. which is fine for the situation. It's just that how do we get out of that situation so that we don't end up with an injury? How do we unravel that? Similarly, actors, believe it or not, and it's not only that I teach about how to resolve injuries, but actors have injuries primarily in their knees. Wow. Because they work on stages which have a slope. Mm. And they're constantly trying to manage their balance in this way. Mm. Occupational hazards. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. So all of these things. and um, But that's not all I do. We also look at how, how we can move creatively and um, effectively and realistically. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because when they are embodying a certain character, understanding the the tensions within that character's body to portray that character is so important. Exactly. Yeah. Without stereotyping the character. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, um, it's been fabulous talking to you today. Is there anything you want to share? Where can people find you is uh, one question. Um, okay, so I've got a website, uh, Feldenkrais net.net.au I'm also on social media primarily Instagram and Facebook at this stage so Facebook Margaret K Feldenkrais same with Instagram on Instagram I share different things to what I share on Facebook on Facebook I just share anything that's amazing about humans on Instagram, I primarily share these kind of ridiculous little stick figures that I draw for my one-on-one yeah, -on -one, <laughs> one -on -one client. So it's just we work together, it's probably hands-on work, and then I give them just one or two little movement strategies mm. and I draw them a little picture to, to just give them a visual reminder mm. of that. This would be a really positive strategy for them. I love your so, stick figures. They make me feel like I can draw too. <laughs> I'm actually quite a good artist. Look at my uh, mother's 
picture. I mean, I actually learned from her. But the thing with the stick drawings is I'm just doing them at the end of a session and it's just a one-minute thing. Yeah. It's not a really long, elaborate thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just show, shows you how easy, like you can keep it simple and it can still be so powerful. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was yes. going to share with that. Yes. <laughs> now, well, we will link to uh, those in the show notes of the podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And um, just to let people know listening, you can find us inside the Movement Online Academy. And if you have any questions for Margaret Kay, you can actually type the at sign in the Academy and start typing Margaret's name, and then the name will pop up and you can tag there or you can pop straight over to her profile and say hi. So, yeah. Is there any other, anything you want to leave the audience with today? Anything you'd like to leave them to think about? Where do we start with ergonomics? Where do we start with unraveling what we might be working with from our situations that we've been faced? And Okay, so I do have a series of um, recordings that I made called Sitting Easy, um, which you can access via my website. Um, they're on right. special at the moment. Um, so they were designed for the sitting arrangements in a workplace environment where you're sitting and looking at a computer, some of them, and then some of them in the series um, are about the other kinds of strategies, some of which we've t- talked about. So, for example, some people, if I say we're going to squat, they go, oh, no, that's because we're not used to it in our Western culture. Um, but it's actually takes you through processes that make these strategies much more available. So that's sitting easy. Yeah. Awesome. Just so you know. Um, What else can I say to finish up? (laughs) It's always a difficult question if I haven't prompted you before we begin. Uh, Let's see. Well, I'm in Sydney, but I do do online sessions, just so you know. Um, and I have worked with people around the world, which is fun. So we can do online on-screen sessions. Um, there are different ways that we can manage that. Uh, similarly with my group classes, that you can come in person now to both of my yeah. weekly classes or you can and you're join. And you Newtown in Sydney, mm-hmm. where your classes are in Newtown? Uh, I've got one class in Sydney and I've got one class in, it, it used to be in Coogee um, or just nearby in the eastern suburbs. Um, when lockdown started, we went to an outdoor park, Centennial Park. However, oh. then the rain came. <laughs> so we took that. <laughs> and tomorrow we're starting again in person in the hall. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's Coogee. exciting. We get a beach view. <laughs> yeah. I went yeah. to school uh, in Randwick, and so I used to go to Coogee oh. Beach all the time. <laughs> oh, it's my favourite. so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing it tomorrow. Be careful there of the waves. A... So. What's that? The waves at Coogee Beach are the, the dump. They dump you right on the sand, don't they? So just be careful sometimes. of them. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I like to go to the seaside pools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just in regard to those classes, because we're just starting up again, uh, if you come in person, um, you can get bring a friend for free. Nice. And if you come in person, you get a free coffee. Ah. 
get to hang out a little bit longer and have a coffee what's, chat. What's not to love about that? <laughs> I think I'll have to come over and attend a class. Okay. <laughs> I love a good coffee. <laughs> Thanks if you so come much. online, yes. Sorry. If you come online, you just come online. <laughs> oh, I'll bring my coffee. Okay. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thanks so much, Margaret. It's been lovely. Um, lovely to talk to you. Yeah. We'll uh, hopefully see you soon in the academy. <laughs> okay. Great. See you soon.